Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Divided Films. I'm JJ, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Keith. Hello! Keith, we're back. We were taking a little bit of a break, a spring break, if you will. Oh, yeah. It's good to be back. You know, we were a bit busy there, but... Uh, you know, we're just getting the spirit. Kids taking off for spring break and going all sorts of places. And a place a lot of kids like to go to, as the movies at least like to depict, cabins in the woods. And all sorts of scary hijinks take place. And so that was the inspiration for this week's divided film, Cabin Fever. Uh, directed by Eli Roth, this movie falls into the category of having a fresh score with critics, which is not what I would have expected, and a rotten score with audiences. So on Rotten Tomatoes, 62% of critics approved, which is just enough to get a fresh, and 44% of audiences approved, and the critics' consensus, more gory than scary, Cabin Fever is satisfied with paying homage to genre conventions rather than reinventing them. And I think that's accurate, although that doesn't sound like it's a positive score because it's more of like a mixed score here from the critics and more of like a negative score from the audiences, which I'm surprised. I really thought if it would be divided Cabin Fever, it would be the other way around. But I think Eli Roth off the top when you first think of him i think he's a he's not a director who makes horror movies for everyone not everyone has the stomach for an eli roth horror movie i mean i think his most famous movie is after this hostile and the only other movie of his that i'm somewhat familiar with that i've seen at least clips from is the green inferno and so you could tell he's a uh horror movie director that is a fan of old movies old horror horror cult movies but yeah again i don't know if he's really doing anything new with that kind of material he kind of is just modernizing it and setting it up and trying to add his own sort of humor to it which again in addition to his horror his sense of humor is also an acquired taste and Ugh. it's a mixed bag for me definitely of the time 2002 uh <laughs> which we'll get into that doesn't really age well but what about you? I mean, I had never really seen it all the way through Cabin Fever until this viewing. Seen it pieces here and there. But what about you? What, what was your history with Cabin Fever? It's uh, it's a blockbuster sleepover movie. Like this came out when we were like in seventh, eighth grade. And I know it was never the main event of a sleepover. I don't I remember watching it when I was like a y- younger young lad. But I don't remember being like there. The things that he wanted to stick out stuck out. But I don't remember being like, oh, man, going to school. Like, I can't believe we just watched Cabin Fever. I think, you know, there are laughs to be had for middle schoolers. But I would say I know it's I don't know if it's taboo or not in the year 2022. But for a movie about a virus, I was rooting for the virus. <laughs> That's a good point, because for starters, these characters are very unlikable. This group of teenagers. All of them. Even the one that he wants to make likable is unlikable. Was that the Bert? <laughs> is that the Bert character you're referring to? The uh, no, the Boy Meets World character. Oh, I just Ryder Strong. I, yeah, he plays. I, I yeah, I didn't like him at at all. Well, no, I mean he plays Paul. He's probably the least hateable of the group. I mean, for starters, <laughs> yeah, that on that scale. <laughs> I think the character that's supposed to be comic relief is Bert, who has to be one of the dumbest movie characters I've ever seen. His dialogue makes no sense. He goes out in the beginning, I'm hunting squirrels. Why? Because they're gay. I'm like, what? Is that oh, supposed yeah. to be funny? That doesn't make any sense. Or later on in the movie, he laughs at an inappropriate, scary story, and someone's like, Bert, that's not scary. And his response, shut up, you slut. <laughs> it's like, what is this guy? He's just completely offensive at every turn and again i get a sense that he's supposed to be funny because the guy is making like doofy faces he's falling over he's definitely an idiot and the movie's playing into that but it's just more frustrating than funny because the guy is offensive and 
he's makes things worse throughout the movie for all the other characters. Yeah, I I don't know what I wanted out of this movie. I if we reviewed this like the day after watch I watched it, I would have probably said I hate it, like burn this movie, like I I but now I've had some time to like think about it. And because I wanted to see, I actually like read critics' reviews. I, I think I was shocked in my research, and or I was shocked, and then I re- reflected on my shockness. I'm like, oh, when Peter Jackson, like he stopped the Lord of the Rings to, f- like they did, they watched this a few times, and I was like, oh, and then I'm like, I get it. I get uh, Tarantino really enjoyed it. Um, which explains like their friendship and Eli Roth was of course in, uh, he was the bear Jew in Inglorious Bastards. Right. Um, I I as I was watching this movie now, like it, with everything I've watched over the years and love of film, uh, I could see like I know why Peter Jackson liked it. I know why people this movie has an acquired taste. That uh, Peter Jackson made these kind of these kind of movies. The inspirations for these movies are so clear. Like there's Sam Raimi, there's Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there's uh, yeah Peter Jackson make like when Peter Jackson was starting out making independent horror comedies. Right, but I feel like at least Peter Jackson's style of horror was so over the top that it became funny. I don't think this really reaches that level. It's definitely it's definitely gross at times. And it takes it to a certain level of of graphic violence. It's just not at the same level. It's not so heightened that it becomes funny, like in uh, you know Brain Dead. It's it's more so just gross. I, I don't really get the same joy of horror as you would. Even like in Evil Dead, the which correct me if I'm wrong is maybe like the original Cabin in the Woods horror movie, although that deals with ghosts, not viruses. There is like a joy to the horror in that movie. And here in this Eli Roth movie, I sense that there's an enthusiasm. I'm just missing like the joy for an audience to get out of it. Yeah. uh, Well, I was going to like say like what separates to me, at least this version, you know, 20 years ago, Eli Roth, and maybe he's grown, maybe not with the green inferno. Uh, is like the you know Sam Raimi started out Evil Dead horror and then kind of remade the same movie as a comedy and added a slapsticky great character in Ash that sets him apart. Uh, Peter Jackson, really great writer and also over the top special uh, uh, practical effects and I would say and I don't it's I just don't. Eli Roth has a voice, and I just I find it very immature, and on the point of just like it's like that person at the party who comes in. I don't know. I found the cop character annoying. I found the cop like oh man. The, the 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 thing that sums up this movie for me and why I don't like it is, and I of course did not notice it. I've only seen this movie like once, and the I. I was curious about what was on that guy's shirt. Uh, who's that doofus? The the cop character? No, not the cop. The who's the doofus character? Uh, Buck or uh, Bert? Uh, Bert? 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 Yeah. He, he had a date on his shirt. Yeah. And that is the date that the Olsen twins turned eighteen. Oh. And I'm like, oh, exactly. Exactly. That is the kind of noise that kind of I'm making throughout. I would say there are some positives. This movie gets the gore right. Oh yeah. Well that's that's the that's like the struggle here is because I do think that the gory moments are effective. They make your skin crawl, but the the humorous moments are such a miss. To me, it's kinda like frat boy humor in a way. You know, even when Eli Roth is appearing in his own movie, it's it's kind of, I don't know, maybe lack for a better term, like big dick energy. He's kind of coming in there, and he's it's the humor is so in your face and unrelenting, but it is very immature, and very obnoxious. That to me it turns me away, and so I kind of, yeah, I, I think this kind of movie 
you know, I, I, I a horror comedy is 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 a tough thing to write. We talked about effectively good horror comedies before, but there has to be likable characters at least in order for the comedy part to work because all these characters are so unlikable or just head scratching, frankly. Uh, th- there's no humor to be found. I mean, the character you mentioned before, the cop character, this Deputy Winston. I mean, first of all, that guy looked like he was 12 years old. I did yes. not really get this guy. <laughs> he has this mustache. It's, he's a terrible actor. And the whole motivation of this cop character is to just party with local young people who come by into town, I guess. He has this long conversation with Ryder Strong that goes nowhere. doesn't really amount to anything. And then at the end, he's helping this conspiracy to cover up all the dead bodies. I, I just, you know, it, he wasn't a funny character. I think maybe he was a kind of, he, he kind of stalled the movie a lot. And he, he kind of seems like the sort of character that might exist in one of these older 70s exploitation horror movies with a sort of dirty cop that's really just a dummy. You know, something like um, an early Wes Craven movie or something. What are there, sport? What's the matter? Cat got your tongue? Oh, shit! Oh, Jesus! Goddamn it, Dennis! No! No, Dennis! No! No! no. no. Don't hit him or anything. Everybody knows not to sit next to Dennis. Mongrel will give you tetanus. Yeah, well, maybe you should make a sign. There's a stream around back you want to wash your hands. I'll get you a towel. Yeah, I just... I, at one point, I kept... I, I was saying to myself, like, am I... Uh, hoity-toity like I always I try I've learned over the years not to judge people by like if you really like a movie if you really like those movies like epic movie or date movie and those make you laugh I've learned not to like shake you and go like what the hell are you doing like why like watch a real film if those make you laugh they make you laugh and so I'm just I when it came to this movie a it took me a while to be like, oh wait, th- like he's trying to make me laugh. It was, it didn't hit me right away, like until I Wikipedia it. I'm like, oh, he intended. He's trying to make me laugh. I thought, like, yeah, you know, he's a 30 year old kid. He got money to make a film, and I get like he cast his friends. He got the guy from Boy Meets World, and he got some really good practical effects, uh, effects makeup people, and hell let's make a movie in the woods and it reminds me of a movie i would have i would see at like a film festival and someone bought it and it became this grindhouse it 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 does have uh, there's a lot of positive like it does earn its place it just i and i i feel like i'm insulting eli roth because it is his humor it is his his style his story uh it's just not clever humor it's not you know, it's very obvious humor. You know, again, I, I admire his willingness to go to a certain level with, with the horror and, and the violence, but in terms of his sense of humor, I just feel like it's out of place here. He knows and horror. He doesn't know comedy. He doesn't yeah, he's not as funny as he thinks he is in this movie. I mean he gives himself a couple cameos. Uh, the first one I didn't really understand. It's like in the ghost story or something with the guy uh. the shaved head. I didn't really understand it or care for any of that. And then uh, in the second cameo, he's playing. What's the guy he plays? Grim. He's a yeah, it's like a guy Grimm. walking in, right, with the dog, or, or and he's something. like, you know, oh, I guess I had to smoke all this weed by myself. Just like, okay, I guess he's a guy who's just wandering around the woods looking for teens to smoke pot with. But then he has this dog. That's the same dog that comes back later, right? And then eats one of the characters. Like, yeah. what is with that dog? Why does that? Do- why does that dog want to eat them? I didn't really understand that. It seemed to me like it had nothing to do with the virus. It was just this bloodthirsty dog. And you get a pretty nasty death uh, towards the end of the movie with the Marcy character. That I didn't really understand. Um, and then you find him later on, too, in like the cave, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even realize that until I Wikipedia it. I'm like, who is this? Like, it, I... It's a frustrating movie, it, like, because I think there is a. I wonder if Eli Roth, because uh, I've only seen Hostel once, and that was a block, uh, that was a blockbuster rental, um, and I would say that like that is probably his 
best movie. Like, it, it, I don't remember it being that funny, but it wasn't trying to be. Or like, maybe there was a humorous liner there, but it was actually, like, had some craft to it. Um, but this one just feels like, I don't know. It, it's just, it's, I know what he's trying to do. And when he talks about horror, like, uh, like whenever he, whenever AMC or somebody hosts horror, like film history on Shutter, he's the guy to go to. They have him on like that old special, hundred scariest movie moments. He's a, he's he was one of the people they interviewed for that. He's kind of the Tarantino of horror, and I will give him that title. Listening to him, he knows talk, his stuff. He knows you know? his stuff. I just wish, and I mean, we can get into the other writer. I was wondering about that. Uh, Randy Perlstein, who was my uh, screenwriting professor. Oh, I didn't know that. I you didn't? Oh, I thought um, I thought I might have told. Uh, well, he, my sophomore year, I took screenwriting, and Randy Perlstein, who is an amazing guy, and when I was doing my research on this, seems like he tried his best to make you know, put all the ideas together. Like he doesn't, I think he got a writing credit because he did. This is Eli Roth's movie, but he helped. So he got writing credit on this. Um, but it, this is a shout out to Randy Perlstein. If he ever hears this, like I'm happy to have continued a, uh, a, a friendship with him after through college and after college. He's always, always been great seeing him. And I never really wanted to talk to him about this movie just because it is, it's like, what am I going to ask him? Like, how do you write a scene where, like, pancakes? How do you do that? <laughs> like, what? Well, I mean, I do have a question about that scene. I mean, I guess the question is why? That's the only. That's that's just one of those kind of scenes where you watch it and you're like, why is this happening? I that was like a meme. Like, I I always knew that. Like, through, like you know, meme in like movies or, or at least like the internet Reddit. Yeah, I and knew it. I, out of context, it makes less sense in context. It, it doesn't. I'm surprised. Yeah, it makes sense it, without having context. The research uh, I did on this, it's just, that kid knew karate very well. And Eli Roth thought he was very funny. So it's like just put his karate skills and just shout pancakes. It Very impromptu. And. That kind of sums up this movie in a whole. It's just like, I'm sure it didn't need to go into the movie. It could have just been funny on set. It could have been great behind the scenes footage, but it makes you go in. It makes the audience go, uh, we're laughing at the movie. We're not laughing. Like it, the movie thinks we're laughing with it, but we're kind of laughing at it. Yeah. Cause it's such a bonkers moment that it just kind of takes you out of it. Because it was one of those moments where I'm like, this is just really dumb. And if the movie had a lot of these weird, surreal moments like pancakes, maybe it could have set a certain tone that would have heightened the movie a bit more. But instead, it just seems like it's very incoherent. You You get this random scene, this kid, this kid who's biting people's hands like, you know, watch out. He bites people's hands and then, you know, he bites the infected guy's hand. And the, the 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 hick guy running the store, it's like, you know, this is your fault. This happened. It's like his fault happened. You're the one with the kid is biting people, and the those characters, that like right off the get go, in early on in this movie, they establish these white trash characters, and it's done in a way that again is like really offensive. You know, they they they, they say uh, the n word. And that kind of comes back at the end as a joke. But even as a joke, it doesn't uh, pay off. It's like, oh, they're racist. Oh, just kidding. They're not racist. But I don't they know. They are, seem, kind of they like, are. They still are. They still are. I mean, like, it, 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 once again, it's the laughing. The movie thinks you're laughing with it, but you're kind of going like, what? Yeah, like, why? Like, why is this happening? Like, at the end, they're having this, like, party rapping barbecue thing at the end like why why is this happening i don't understand what that has to do with anything except for the one i guess image of the the spring water bottle company leaving with all the infected water and i guess the implication is now this disease is going to spread where this disease even came from in the first place 
who knows it just this guy gets it in the beginning and then it spreads through the water and then it goes from there i'll get you some help all right i'll be i'll be right back i got a car uh, oh, fuck. Uh, oh please fuck. help me fuck. i'm sick i need water just, just lay down. Don't move, man. Water. I'll get you water. Just, just stay right. Don't, don't, don't come near me, okay? Is that your stay cabin? there, man. Is that your cabin? No. Just stay Do there. It. Please stay there. Don't make me fucking shoot you, man. Just stay the fuck back, please. Fuck. Uh, but you know, we could get into the gore though, because I would say though, I do admire the moments that I did shudder. I did. You know, oof, like it made my skin crawl several moments here with with the infection because that kind of that kind of thing like we would see in a more absurd way in was it Death Proof? Remember that oh, one in the yeah. Grindhouse movies? But even even if it's done in a cartoonishly over the top way, it still gets to me. This idea of people getting infected and then like their flesh rotting and peeling off, that kind of thing. It is that's like an effective thing to have in a horror movie. And I was dreading that in this, and it paid off. I think those are the moments I admire. And I think if you want to double down and just do like a really freaky horror movie about a flesh eating virus, I think that would have been way more effective. Yeah, he should have done like he should have done. He should have gone his hostel route. Like he make it a complete scary. But uh, I I get the sense, uh, you know, he wants to be Sam Raimi. He wants to be Peter Jackson. And I do, th- or at least he wants to have that kind of movie in his uh, roster. And I just don't, once again, it's like, I just don't find you that funny. I, it makes Cabin in the Woods all, like, it makes me appreciate something like that. And I'm like, I, I, I really hate what, like, writer Strong, any will, I don't hate the actor, of course. I, I, I grew up on Boy Meets World. But, like, this character is played off as, like, the good guy, the best friend. And you're rooting. You're like, okay, I'm rooting for him. But being in a horror comedy, at least have someone. Like, that character should have been more self-aware. Like, why are we doing this? Why is this home? Like, but instead he ends up, like, I don't know, when the girl is sick. I don't know. I felt uncomfortable. Like, there's a lot of, like, the there's a lot of scenes where I'm uncomfortable and it starts out with me finding out what's on Bert's shirt. Right. Unintentionally you're uncomfortable in a lot of those moments. Like they take the girl out to the shed or something and Ryder strong just seemed like a generic horror movie character. He makes bad decisions. He has no idea what to do. And yeah, like even that one scene where he goes to the reservoir and finds the dead body. Why is he trying to turn over the dead body? Because then he falls in the water and he's screwed. Yeah. Now you know he's infected. But like, why even do that? Like, what are you gonna find out? Like the character's just constantly b- making mistakes over and over again, and that sort of thing is frustrating. It's like a horror movie trope. And maybe again, Eli Roth wants to pay more homage to this genre by having those kind of tropes rather than. You know, putting in a smart character who breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, I'm not looking for like it doesn't seem him winking at the fourth yeah, not... wall, but I'm just looking at and I'm not looking for like cabin in the woods per se kind of humor. I'm just looking for like uh, at least one likable character. Like Ryder Strong's character lost me when he started fingering the girl. Like I, it's like any good yeah, like in her sleep. In her sleep, yeah. I'm like, and I don't know where the other was like cut and they're having sex with the other girl like that came out of nowhere oh right right yeah because then once once his girlfriend or his love interest is sick and clearly dying and rotting away in the shed then he hooks up with the other girl it's like oh that's really shitty then and he doesn't really seem to be too broken up when his friends are horrible like i know the cut was for comedic effect or maybe it was like it i uh once again, in my research, they filmed the whole arc of them kind of flirting and being there for each other. So I guess in the cut, in like the full movie, it made sense. But I, I don't know. It like I feel like I'm reviewing like a, a college film festival movie, and but this is a successful movie. Like this movie, when you think of 
flesh-eating virus horror movies, this is oh, this is like one of the only ones. <laughs> but think about that. The reputation is for the horror elements, and people don't really talk at all about the supposed comedic elements at all because those just didn't work. Yeah. And I think the movie really could have been one of those like I dare you to see it kind of horror movies if it was that graphically violent throughout the whole thing. I mean, yeah, there's like some great makeup effects here, some yeah. great practical effects. The, they have some really good scenes like that stick with you. For example, the the shaving, the leg shaving sequence. You know, like that. that's the kind of thing that makes you think next time you're shaving. And I would I would like to see more of that. He knows what gets under your skin, and so I that's his strength. I would like to see him kind of stick to that more. So I mean, maybe I should watch the the whole of the Green Inferno. I mean, from what I saw, it didn't really seem enticing to watch the rest of it. It's it's clearly inspired by that old crazy genre of like cannibal holocaust. There is a whole genre of like cannibal horror movies back in the seventies and eighties. And he's a student of that, apparently. That was his send up to those. But again, is he is he anything new to the genre or is he just trying to make, put in his he's trying to put in, you know, his his contribution to the genre without really adding anything to it, you know, any any new takes on it. Well, well like I have no problem with him like or I don't think you need to like always add something new to the genre you're i'm more than happy like um of someone just making a movie of adding to the genre with your own voice and once again i feel like i'm picking i'm picking on him i'm sure like he's a nice guy and i i i will say this i'm very curious i would love for him and i know they done sequels and remakes or whatever i would love for eli roth now to remake this movie. I would love yeah, I would see how he's grown. I would cause... love to see that because I'm sure cuz he's now he's still directing. Like he he's directing I never played the video game, but he's set to like he's uh, been directing Jack Black and Kate Blanchett in a uh, Borderlands movie and that's like a legit studio based on a franchise a video game franchise movie. So, and that's kind of the most out of it, out of his element outside of acting that I've seen him. So I'm curious to see that, but he like, there is craftsmanship that I've seen him in. And I, I just feel like he needs someone over his shoulder going like, that's not funny or like, right. I, I just think, and I'm not, I'm not volunteering, but like, I just think like this movie could have been up there with the, like, when you think of Evil Dead Two or Brain Dead or uh, like uh, the Frighteners, you do think of the comedy in that movie, those movies, right? Because I mean, they they add to you know, it. It's not as if in those movies that the horror and the comedy are fighting against each other. They actually add to each other, and in this movie, they complement. Yeah, they complement each other, and in this movie, it's kind of like a tug and war effect. I mean, you know, of, of the three. Of the three cabin horror movies I've seen between Evil Dead, the Evil Dead movies, this and, you know, The Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, this is the third place one. Can you think of any other cabin horror movies that I might not be thinking of? I mean, just cabin? um... Because that is like, that is a trope, like kids in a cabin and some sort of, you know, horrible thing ensues. As I was watching this movie, I just kept going like I could see like the the soup bowl and like all the ingredients of that he's pouring in. Like I he he try like he definitely is a uh, lover of Toby Hooper's uh, original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like you have that style. Also unlikable kids. Even the guy in the wheelchair is unlikable. Like you automatically know he's gonna die. But it's very like it's very dirty looking. Um, there's also this there's a director's vision in that but and he and and it's not funny like there's that's not a horror comedy um oh texas chainsaw is that movie feels like it's a snuff film it is almost yeah it's disturbing how realistic that movie looks 
I, I'm trying to think of other Cabin movies. I think Cabin in the Woods kind of, I, yeah, I know they remade Evil Dead, so that kind of doesn't count. Um, right. Cause I'm with, just trying to think of like those kind of movies, maybe not even Cabin or just like it's in that singular place. I mean, maybe you could throw in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, at least as kids traveling and then something yeah. happens to them. Because I also got a sense of influence of Texas Chainsaw in this Cabin Fever movie just from yeah, they encounter these white trash characters who eventually come after them. And then there's like a whole sequence where they're they're fighting each other. Yeah, it's not the same threat level as the family in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's sort of a of a similar sort of conflict going on there. But again, I didn't really understand those hit characters going on. It just you know, they, they just seem to do things that the movie wants them to do. They go after these kids because the little boy got infected, I guess. And now like they're killing each other. I didn't really get any of that. Yeah. I think he needed to add. And this is where I'm like, I I bet uh, Randy Pearlstein came in and like said, you have to add something more other than like, there's nothing that much going on other than flesh eating virus. You throw the girl into the cabin. What do you do next? You have to add some kind of, more conflict even the fifth character the jeff character the guy with the blonde hair he yeah. leaves the movie he actually says i'm out of here so you actually even subtract a character because you know what i thought we would get more of in this movie actually is the paranoia of who's infected who's not as if it was say like the thing Be- there's only maybe one scene of the characters i think after the blonde girl she gets sick and is put into the shed you only really get one scene of the characters arguing with each other, getting paranoid, who's sick, who's not sick, how to avoid getting sick. That was like one small element. You would think from the title Cabin Fever, there's more of that sort of paranoia that's going to play into the movie, and that doesn't really happen. So I thought that could have been more interesting to explore. My friend, she's sick. You don't look so good. I know. There's this disease. I, I, I think all my friends are getting it. And... Do you just know where a hospital is around or something? Yeah. Stay right there. Don't come any closer. I'll get a doctor. Thanks. Pancakes! Pancakes! No pancakes. Pancakes! No pancakes! Yeah, you do say, uh, you said early on in the episode that Bert and 90% of the time, or 95% of the time, I'll give you that, he, you are right. He is uh, an awful, stupid character. But he kind of has the right idea of do not go near the girl who's infected. Like, let's put her away. Like, he kind of, I'm like, all right. Like, he's kind of, he makes a smart move every now and then. Like, you know, Yeah, but it's bro- all selfishly motivated. Yeah, it's all, sel- it's, it's all like, like, I've never heard they say the R word. So many times in the span of a minute, just everybody, no filter. And I know that it's they a say, different time, but they say like that's gay about any situation that does not end well for them. It's like, well, that was gay. It's like, what? Like that was I get that again. That was a thing. And that's how some people talked back then. But again, it's very unfortunate to hear it so much. But it, it it's kind of like in your face about how 2003 it is. Like, right. do you know I what mean, I mean? That's, like, <laughs> like that, that is of the time, but it's yeah. still like, it's like an annoying reminder of how, you know, we, we were, <laughs> how immature people were back then. Yeah. But like, I'm going to shoot, why are you going to shoot squirrels? Cause they're gay. Like, can, can we come up with a better response than that? Right. I think they're just trying to establish like, this guy is dumb. <laughs> it's like, all right, I get that. Oh, and he gets it too. Like I don't like he, he's sitting in a chair, and they come in, and they they shoot on him right away. Like it's yeah. Well, then at the end of the movie, the one guy Jeff finally decides to return to the movie right at the very end. He's like, "I made it! I made it!" Because he stayed in a cave and left his friends to die. And then he is shot and killed by the town's police. Yeah. And again, like what is what's going on there? They they're they want to cover up they they have it out for these teens apparently, but then they also want to like burn all their bodies, I guess. It, it it took I feel like some 
connecting the dots on my own part to realize what exactly is is happening why they killed this character at the end yeah i the the this should not have been a horror comedy this should have either been one or like the other like it just, just it, horror it, it just horror because then even like the they i don't even know if you see Ryder strong die on camera right it's assumed he like it's like don't no no like the cop the guy the cops taking him back or the because he finally makes it to the hospital and the last time you see him alive, he's lying in a hospital bed. And then you see a doctor talking to, I guess, like the sheriff or someone. And the doctor's like, we are not equipped to handle this kind of thing, I guess, a flesh-eating virus. So the sheriff's like, don't worry. We'll transport him to a hospital. Are they going to use an ambulance? No. They're going to use that freaking 12-year-old with a mustache, Deputy Winston, to transport him in the back of his pickup truck. And then that's the last you see of him. And then at the end, you see his dead body in the reservoir yeah like and then and then it's assumed that the virus is going to get out because it's in the water supply like it's nothing was solved no 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 in fact (laughs) they made it worse by trying to cover it up i guess uh it's it's just a kind of a frustrating viewing experience because um just at every turn like there's there's no one really to hold on to or root for and as you know, as bad as these group of teens are, then the townspeople are even worse. Like you have that whole party scene with the uh, Deputy Winston character, and see that felt like the way it was shot. I'm like, if I didn't know any better, this looks like it was made in the 70s, which I think was like the intended effect. I'm okay with that. That actually, the intended effect in that the Grindhouse, the Friday night drive-through movie, that works for me. Right, right. And he just basically, Greater Strong shows up and just infects as many people as he can for some reason. Uh, and, you know, from there on, the guy decides he has to go on this mission, the Winston character, and, and kill him. So I it's I- just, I just, I didn't know where the, where the story was going for half the time either. Because then you just have this Ryder Strong character who's alive at the end, just, you know, running around aimlessly. And so, like, what am I supposed to look forward to at that point except the end? Uh, this movie must have not had an impression on me because I never – I did not – yeah, it's been about, like, 20 years since I've seen this movie. Uh, so, I, I mean, I know we're being hard on it and everything, but, again, it is it does have a positive score. Well, you know, a mixed score, but a fresh score from the critics. And so when you read through – I think people are seeing the homage. I think critics they love they love you know filmmakers who have done their homework and are maybe a little more forgiving when it comes to send up of classic genres from decades prior. And there you have the audience who doesn't really care about any of that. I think yeah, I was watching this with Eric and I think the um yeah, the humor ultimately drags the rest of it down. Uh, I think the critics love sensing a cult film. Yeah, I could see this having a cult following. But again, I think Eli Roth as a director has a cult following. So it's not just this one particular movie. I think his fans are just fans of his work in general. And sure, they probably really like this movie. But then they also probably watch Hostel maybe a bit more than this. The the sequel to Hostel. Again, Green Inferno. Uh, What's the other one? Thanksgiving. Which we mentioned. <laughs> oh, yeah. We mentioned Grindhouse, and he made the fake trailer. And as far as I know, a lot of those fake trailers were made into movies later on, including Thanksgiving. So I'm it, okay with him having a. I'm okay with this movie having a cult following, even though I'm not like I. It has good I, moments in it. I do. I do like the scary moments in it. But even if someone's like watching this, going like, "I know this is bad." But this is so fun. I don't know. Like, I don't think I could watch it even. It's not even like bad fun to watch for me. It's like Like, trash fun. It's like trashy fun, you know? Like, if this was on at a party, I don't think I would. like. Just for everyone's mingling and this just happens to be on at the background. I don't think I would, like, stop and watch any of it. I'd be like, oh, okay. Like, I I don't get any humor. I, I, I would pause for the shave the shaving of the leg scene right i'll give it that it gets the horror 
It does the horror very right. That's definitely the highlight of the movie. And again, I mean, I even like the interaction when they first put, let me get the character's name right. The, the Karen character, when she's first put into the shed and she's like, fuck you guys, seriously. And they're trying to be nice about it, but she's just not having it. You know, I think that was like a great interaction there. And again, like the characters turning on each other, you know, that's cabin fever. It's, it, it drives you yeah. wild, drives you crazy. I think, you know, if we, ha- if, you know, sometimes we like to make suggestions, we do that a lot, but you know, if, if I could maybe make a suggestion for this movie, it would be to draw out the sickness. You know what I mean? Like, cause it seems to be in this movie, you get sick and then you die within a day. But maybe if the the symptoms creep up on you and you, you start to get itchy, you start to get irritable, you know, little things here and there build up and the characters really start to turn on each other gradually, I think you would have something in the vein of the thing, but in like a more summertime setting. And, yeah. um, you know, you could really draw some good tension from that. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I just realized what movie came out like a year after and that you can compare it to as a first time filmmakers horror movie is Saw. Yeah, Saw. And I was pretty, I I really, and you know, you can go back. I, I enjoyed Saw. Yeah, we like Saw. I believe we get that a positive score. And yeah, it was, it's, it's similar stories of first time directors, but also lower budget. Had pretty good returns. Uh, Saw was definitely a bigger success story. Uh, but yeah, it just goes to show what you can do with so little. And then yeah, Saw, there is no weakening at the camera. That one is pretty like sticking yeah. to the one tone. I think it works. That works. And I think that's benefit. why that added to the success of it even more. Right, right. Because it, it's really staying in the world that it creates with without pulling back its punches. Um yeah, with this with this cabin fever, I think you know the trashy fun of it all. I I feel like again there is potential there for that sort of you know hick rock sort of thing going on in certain moments, like in the beginning. Uh, but if only if it was, I, if only if it was a little more <laughs> fleshed out. Uh, pun intended well you there's an also uh the deliverance i kind of get a kick out of the tone right of like you know it's you 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 establish these white trash guys you have that sort of soundtrack sometimes of like you know country rock going on and so if you want to make this like a fun horror movie and it's fun in that sort of trashy way again there is potential for that too i just think you can't I don't think you can go for the obvious joke so many times like he does in this. I think you oh, need yeah. to like, you know, write a bunch of jokes and then, you know, maybe like uh, you don't go for the, the, the obvious things because uh, <clears throat> you could see them a mile away. Now, uh, when it comes to the audience, I, and I was like yourself, I was shocked that the I thought the audience and the um, – uh, I thought the audience and the critic score would be a little bit reversed. Probably, I thought it'd be like the same numbers, but reversed. Uh, I know after reading so many, um, after reading so many uh, Rotten Tomatoes audience scores for movies, the audiences can be a little bit hoity-toity. I think that's the word I would put. Some of them, some of them are a little bit like, why are you watching this movie if you know you're not going to like it? Uh I, and I'm thinking. I think one movie that you showed me told uh, showed me JJ was Turning Red. It's like why? Like, there's a lot of hoity toity audience members with uh, just reviewing this. Everyone's and a critic. Everyone's a critic, and everyone happens to put their reviews on uh, Rotten uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. I kind of I tried my best to find the the ones that like I just that emulated I guess our viewpoint of it. Um, and it just, it still comes down to like me not just liking, <laughs> like there's, there's stuff to like about this. I, I think Ebert 
put it best. And I know that's a, we we quote him all the time. Like this movie adds up to a few good ideas and a lot of bad ones. Wandering around in search of an organizing principle. And I'm like, you summed it up again, Roger. Yeah, yeah, definitely a mixed bag. I mean, I guess you could also say, yeah, is it is it is it obvious that this is done by a first time director of a studio production? You know, possibly. Uh, you know, they're they're trying a lot of different things again based on the story with you know the pancake scene, how that was a bit impromptu. See, maybe that they were, yeah, adding different ideas as they went along, and yeah, that that could be a bit uh, haphazardous, yeah, because you can get maybe a lot of things that work on their own, but they don't work together. That that could be a big risk you run into. Uh, but. Yeah, at the same time, I think with a lot of the audience scores or a lot of audience opinions, they're more like reactionary. You know, I think critics tend to stew on their reactions for a little bit, and I think that's maybe to the benefit of this movie. You know, it's like okay, like we know what the references are, and we like that this is a guy who, you know, is a fan of the same kind of things we're a fan of. Whereas an audience's immediate reaction to this is just like wasn't funny thought it was dumb and frankly a lot of people probably are repulsed by the the horror elements and it's again it, it's a bit stomach churning at times and a lot of people don't like to be grossed out when they watch a, a, even if it's a horror movie and even if they know the premise it's still not something they like to see yeah that that's the thing that it has going for it though and and I, Eli Roth made the movie he wanted to make, and for that I give him so much credit. It's just right. not the movie I want to see. <laughs> it's in your face, and I give it that. It's uh, it's just a lot, it, or it, it, I don't know, like it. It's a lot for a ninety-minute yeah. movie. It it bounces around quite a bit. <laughs> made it. Fucking made it! I knew it! I knew it! I fucking made it! <laughs> I fucking made it! I fucking made it! I fucking made it! I think we can... I, th I think we can now give our scores... If you know what uh, grade you would give this movie, your percentage for Cabin Fever. I will say this. Uh, I think I, I think people listening at home know which way I'm going to vote. Um, but I want to say this. like I respect Eli Roth. I think it's hard to make a movie. And the fact that he did it and the fact that this movie became a success. And I do give this movie... It can play at midnight. I it can, people can love it. it uh, I do think if I I, I haven't checked the uh, the Bravo one hundred scary moments and let's if they were to do an updated version, I oh, will they did. give you. I will give you. It deserves its place on that list. But the I think people they that did, they did like a thirteen even scarier moments, and they put I think both a moment from Cabin Fever and a moment from Hostel on that list. And both of those movies deserve to be on that list. But with Cabin Fever specifically, can the people who like this movie, can we parlay that? All right. It's not, it's in the 90 to 100 area. Like it's, there's, there's a lot. The movies that he gained influence of, especially like they're higher up on the list. But I think, uh, I think, the, the comedy, the characters, the the scenarios these characters get into drag this movie down and kind of the, the horror scenes stick out, but everything else just drags this movie down. And for that, I'm going to give it a 38. 38, wow. Yeah, I agree with all those same sentiments. We made those points throughout the movie. I give it this, though. I think it is unapologetic. I always respect that in a movie that it's it's in your face 
you know, he has this sense of humor he implemented, and it's very him. You know, it's he, he put he put himself out there in this movie for better or for worse, and I respect that. But you know, for what this movie is, I'm giving it. Um, I would give it a forty-eight percent. It's tough too because I don't think I would really rewatch this movie. Uh, but I don't think yeah, I had a. I don't think I had the do... need to rewatch any of his films. Like, he, and I've seen Hostel, Hostel Two, Green Inferno, and Ho- Hostel. I would think is his. I would say like I would give it a tomato. I don't know what score specifically, but I would say it's like a well crafted horror movie. It started a whole new kind of genre i guess of gorn for better for worse but that we torture can, porn that's a yeah that's a conversation for another day um but yeah it's this one i don't think i really kind of go back and rewatch any of them yeah they stick with you though uh for better or for worse i mean i do also think that on set there's a joy that kind of exudes if again if you are a film fanatic like we are you can kind of tell which movies have a more joyful production, especially in horror. It seems like in a lot of his movies, the makeup department and the practical effects people are given a lot to do and uh, are able to really get creative, even if it translates into some pretty gruesome imagery. That at least um, it, it's done in old-fashioned way. So I appreciate things done the old-fashioned way. So what is our score? What's our average? <laughs> Once again, I'm very satisfied. 43. 43%, which is very close to the audience score, just one percentage lower. So it is official on Cabin Fever. We are siding with the audience. So for any kids out there, you had your spring break, just avoid going into a cabin in the woods because you never know what's going to happen there. You can get possessed by demons. You can get infected by a flesh-eating virus. Or you can find yourself in a conspiracy with every single movie monster in history. Uh, I'm surprised we haven't had Bigfoot, like a Bigfoot, like a... Uh, a Bigfoot horror movie? I don't know. Like a found footage or something? Like, uh, Don't even throw that out there, <laughs> Bigfoot. And it's See, that would like, be funny. That would that, be funny. That sounds like a parody of found footage, which I'm all about, by the way. Harry and the Hendersons, like, (laughs) (laughs) he's there, he's there, run. Oh, man. All right, Keith, this has been fun. Um, And, uh, you know, I think for the next movie, we should go with something a little less gruesome because I think I've had my fill of uh, buckets of blood for at least the time being. But uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. As always, look out for more Divided Film soon. (laughs) 